Stand Student Podcast is brought to you by Stand, a SUIS educational development initiative supported by Irish Aid. Learn more about the work that Stand does with young people across Ireland at www.stand.ie. Hi, I'm Anya and I study history and political science and every month we will discuss topics around student life in Ireland. Feel free to send us your comments on Instagram at stand.ie or Twitter at stand underscore IE. This month brings a major political event, with Ireland's general election announced for Saturday the 8th of February. In light of this announcement, we're bringing you an election special, where we will explain more about Ireland's voting system, how it works, and why it works. With debates between candidates heating up, many are focusing on major policy issues, such as housing, climate, and healthcare. So it's worth taking time to think about who will get your vote on the 8th of February. But it's also important to understand how your vote counts and how it will be used. With Ireland being one out of only two countries in Europe that employ the single transferable vote system, more understanding is needed of why we use this and how exactly it works. To help us understand a bit more about this, we have Ian Power in studio from spunout.ie to answer a few questions. So I'm gonna hand over to my co-host Anson. Over to you, Anson. Thanks, Anya. Yeah, Ian Power is with us today. He's the CEO of SpunOut.ie and Crisis Textline Ireland. He's a very busy guy. SpunOut is an Irish youth information website. Over 1.6 million people used SpunOut resources last year. That's huge. Crisis Textline is a confidential text line for youth in crisis, and that's extremely important these days. Um, so. With that, you know, Ian has his finger on the pulse of what young people need to know. What those young people need to know these days is we got this election coming up, February 8th. Um, so let's just kind of start out quite simple, very broad question. What is um, Ireland's voting system? Yeah, so Ireland has a pretty unique voting system. It's, it's called uh, proportional representation by means of single transferable vote, which sounds quite complicated. Um, and it's only ourselves and, and Malta that actually have uh, this voting system. Uh, but actually, the, one of the beauties of proportional representation, PRSTV for short, is that uh, it's actually quite simple for us as voters to understand. All we need to know is that when we get given our ballot paper in the in the in the voting booth we rank the candidates from one to whoever many we want to and then the job is done for us elsewhere where our, our kind of preferences are taken into account uh, i think sometimes uh, you know the logic even of prstv and the mechanics we might get into those in a minute um, they are quite complicated, uh, but really only the returning officer needs to kind of understand and perhaps other party hacks and political hacks like myself, maybe, uh, who are really interested in that side of things. But for the actual average voter, the system is pretty straightforward. And what's really good about it is that it takes in multiple preferences at the same time. So um, if you think about, let's say, the French presidential election, so what happens there is they have a vote where there's multiple candidates running and only basically the top two, unless one of them gets 50% plus one, essentially, um, the top two have to go back again and do a runoff election. What's really great about PRSTV is it captures all of our preferences in one go so that we don't have to go back again and it's able to allocate 
kind of multiple seats essentially. Pure SUV is only truly possible kind of in constituencies where there are multiple seats on offer. Um, so you'll know that obviously in our presidential election there's only one seat for instance. That's not actually technically PRS TV, even though we vote in the same way as we do at a general election. It's actually uh, an alternate vote, essentially alternative vote and uh, AV system. And uh, it, that's the only kind of way, essentially, that you can run a, a single seat constituency in that way. So really, for it to be true, kind of PRS TV, it has to have kind of multiple seats. Right. The way it works is that um, essentially the uh, quota for a, a seat essentially in a, in a constituency. So you might have three, four or five seats in, in a constituency and the quota is decided by dividing the total number of votes with the number of seats plus one. So essentially, uh, you know, if you're looking at a, a three-seater constituency, uh, you know, you're, you're looking at uh, a, a variance in terms of the number of votes versus a five-seater. So uh, it'll just depend essentially on, on which one it is. Yeah, cool. Well, that's that's that was very that was a very good response. <laughs> We've got a good uh, good handle on lots of that now. Um, so I guess maybe more like a brass tax, um, maybe for first time voters or someone like me. I don't. I unfortunately won't be able to vote, but um, as a Canadian, but um, someone like me who doesn't know how the system works, who's never sat down at a ballot box, um, what would they have to do when they actually sit down? And fill up that ballot. Like, how does that work? I think the first thing to do is to really look at all of the candidates before you go into the polling booth on voting day on February eighth. In this instance, um, because really with PRSCV you can allocate a preference pretty much the whole way down the ballot. And some people ask, should I just stop? You know, halfway down the ballot. Um, but for me, for instance, in, in, the, in the recent local and European elections, there was a candidate that I just absolutely did not want to get in. Um, and so I literally went down to, I think, the 17th preference and put that person as 17th. Like, that means that that person is definitely not going to get a preference, but it means that everyone else before them, even though I might not agree hugely with their policies either. Um, so I think that's one of the beauties of PRSTV is that you sit down, you understand exactly who is running in your constituency, what they all stand for, and you can you know, give a preference literally to everybody, and that is how the returning officer will treat your vote. Um, so obviously, if you vote for uh, you know, a particular candidate as your first preference, and they get elected, you know, and there's not a huge surplus, uh, then you know, that's your vote done, your vote doesn't get transferred anywhere else. But if your vote, you know, isn't uh, electing somebody in the first one or two seats in a three-seater or something like that, your vote could decide, you know, who amongst your, your uh, third, fourth, fifth preference uh, is going to actually take that seat. So it's, it's a really um, nice system in that, you know, your preferences on the whole are taken into account. Yeah. Well, that's actually good to know. I, I, for some reason, I wasn't thinking about that. Because when someone who has, like, a... Um, you know, first past the post voting system type thing. You just kind of know who you want to vote for. Check that box. Mm -hmm. But I guess it's good to know that you need to have a better idea of who's actually going to be on your ballot, and then you can essentially just rank them all. 
yeah, like, they self-explanatory. Exactly, yeah. And the way it kind of differs differs from, let's say, the, the kind of the UK system, which is that first past the post. So literally, you vote for one person, you give one tick, essentially, and, you know, the, the first person to, to kind of, or, or the person with the most votes, they don't even have to reach a, a particular threshold. Mm-hmm. The person with the most votes in a constituency wins, which means that, you know, often in the UK, if you look at the, the recent general election there, you know, you have... You know, a party like the Lib Dems, you know, getting something like three or so million votes across the whole of the UK, but not ending up with the same number of seats to, to reflect that. Mm-hmm. So there's there's almost a kind of a, a democratic deficit in that system. Whereas here in our system, you know, it's much more proportional, smaller parties, you're able to elect uh, politicians that might represent you from a, a wide range of kind of uh, ideologies or, or beliefs mm-hmm. um, and you know that's that's a really beneficial thing now there are people who will criticize the system because potentially that a leads to government instability um, and there's not definitive winners of elections but you can only look to the to the most recent kind of even 2010 obviously the UK had a hung parliament and they had to enter into a coalition with the Lib Dems yeah. um, and then they've been obviously um, operating a kind of a confidence and supply arrangement between the Conservatives and, and the DUP before mm-hmm. the last election as well. So, you know, other systems are not immune to that either. Um, and then the other criticism of our system is that it fosters kind of clientelism so that because, you know, politicians in a national legislature have to have an eye to local issues have to run all these constituency clinics, etc. There's a criticism that they're not focusing 100% on their national policy um, and legislative role. Whereas actually, uh, you know, the other side of that coin is that they have to remain close to the issues that are affecting people on the ground. And they get a real kind of understanding of, of how people are feeling and things yeah. like that. So there's, there's kind of, there's multiple criticisms of our system, mm-hmm. but um, in my view... You know, the fact that it takes into account your preferences, uh, you know, the whole way through the count and the, the fact that it allows for a plurality of kind of voices in politics, yeah. I think is a really beneficial thing. Because otherwise, you know, you'd be you'd have a system like the UK where, um, you know, there is a, a significant number of voters who don't have somebody necessarily that represents them. Yeah, good. That's very, very important. Thank you very much, Ian. I guess just lastly and just quickly, maybe if you could... Um, we really want people to get out and vote this election. I'm pretty sure that, especially young people. Mm-hmm. So if there are some maybe cynical young people who just think their vote doesn't matter, could you just maybe quickly say why it's super important for them to get out and vote? It's it's really important, um, and the reason being is that you know often seats can be decided literally by a couple of votes, um, and you know sometimes in, in 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 recent elections you know you've seen votes being decided by you know seats being decided by 11 votes 22 votes you know 50 votes and um, your vote really does matter and i think never more so in a system uh, like pure stv because yes you know you you might not be successful in in electing your first um preference candidate in a constituency but your vote will get transferred along the line and it's really important that you know, at least you have had some say in the people that are representing you. I think now, more than ever, there is kind of this moment where young people have been engaged in, you know, the marriage equality referendum, the Eighth Amendment referendum, um, and, you know, they're super engaged in the climate crisis movement um, and, and trying to tackle that. And I think, 
it's really important that you get out and that you uh, you have your say on who you want to see representing you in the next Dáil. Um, I think that there's there is a, a kind of an understanding that you know if you if you don't show up essentially you don't get representation and uh, it's really important that we don't just think that our our movements outside of the par- parliamentary democracy are going to fix things it's not just kind of the movements that are establishing um in terms of climate change and and other issues um they're not going to do it on their own we have to have supporters in a legislature that can actually do the heavy lifting um, I think anybody who's interested in the climate crisis knows that kind of personal and individual action is only going to do so much we need whole kind of system change in terms of how we look at things in terms of transport and agriculture and all these different issues um, and look the pace of that can be argued but there's no doubt about it that it's going to be needed um, so you kind of you have to take part in this it's not just enough for you to say that you are politically engaged in other ways voting really is is a, a means to get to a solution to these problems much quicker um, than just kind of I guess um, the activism that is still so so important and that has a huge impact on the political system and you can only see uh, now I mean I think I think the climate crisis movement and, and the movement around biodiversity loss really motivated a lot of people in the local elections to vote for um, particular candidates. Um, and you can see now that the more large and established parties are all talking about the climate crisis. Um, and that's really powerful because essentially that means that that has creeped into the political system now and there's there's a possibility of real change. But it can only happen if you actually vote. Um, and, and we've seen lots of movements building. Um, but really, you know, what's really evident is that uh, it only matters if you vote in a you know in a particular way for those issues, um, and that's been really clear. So so I think it's never been more important to get out and vote. And and look, climate's one issue. There's youth mental health uh, services that are under pressure, and and loads of other issues that young people really really care about. Access to education, uh, other things too. So um, whatever the issue is for you, whatever the the kind of the burning. Um, issue that is going to uh, make a difference for you research your candidates in your constituency understand their positions on the key issues that affect you uh, or that you want to see action on and go out and vote in that way yeah that's great thank you so much Ian Ian Power CEO of spunout.ie and Crisis Line Ireland thanks again that was really interesting thanks for coming in Ian You can check out some more information on the election at spunout.ie. During the week, Anson had the chance to catch up with Jacqueline Hayden, a political science lecturer from Trinity College Dublin, and he found out a little bit more on the background of our voting system and how it compares with other countries. Thanks, Anya. I have the pleasure to be sitting with Dr. Jacqueline Hayden, professor of political science at Trinity College Dublin. Dr. Hayden is going to help us understand the Irish electoral system which is completely up her alley. In 2013, she was awarded the Knight's Cross of the Order of Merit of the Republic of Poland for helping them transition into democracy. No big deal at all. She has also worked um, as a current affairs producer with RTE, all before getting her PhD at TCD and now working as a professor with the Department of Political Science at Trinity. Most of all, she was my dissertation supervisor, and probably her greatest feat yet. 
helping me finish that master's dissertation is a tall order, no doubt. Um, so, Dr. Hayden, thank you very much for taking the time to chat. I think you're being a bit unkind to yourself there. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think you put in some good hours helping me out, so I appreciate All it. All the job. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Um, so, yeah, today we're talking about the Irish electoral so system. Well, I suppose uh, electoral systems, are either majoritarian or they're proportional. And there is there were very good reasons at the foundation of the Irish state for wanting a proportional system because we were a divided society. We were coming out of civil war. So the proportional vote um, can act as a protector of minorities um, and um, it is also a system which helps to include even, you know, um, I interests that are, are small. So it's much more representative. That's, that's the, f the first thing to be said. Um, and you, you'll probably know that it is often chosen in um, post-conflict societies or chosen in situations where um, the people designing the constitution are anxious to create an inclusive representative environment. So that's kind of the, the political theory behind it. Um, in Ireland, um, in Southern Ireland, I should say, it, um, you know, there's been various um, iterations of how the, the, the system works. I mean, for instance, constituency size is a very important uh, part of how proportional um, our system is. So over time, there's been changes in that. And uh, you, you also have to have um, you have to be mindful, for instance, of the um, uh, ratio of voter and in terms of the, the size of uh, of the representation. So, for instance, in Ireland, we've got quite an unbalanced population. So you'll find that there'll be bigger constituencies off to the East Coast um, because of the sheer numbers as opposed to, you know, parts of rural Ireland. So, you know, it, it always to think of an electoral system as an institutional piece of engineering for a, a social outcome. Um, there's been a number of attempts in Ireland to uh, change or there's been referendums and the people have resisted. Right. Well, that's good. I mean, I come from a system where it's first past the post. So you're saying that there's a bit more of an advantage in actually getting the right candidate? Is that is that the right way to think about I, it? I think the way to, 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 to look at it is this, you, you know, and this is kind of like um, politics 101 in one sense. If you have a majority in, majoritarian system, say take uh, our neighbours across the water in Britain, what you get is very much, it, it, it tends to produce two-party politics. So it's decisive, but does it leave whole uh, commu communities of voters underrepresented? Yes. I mean, you only have to look uh, in, in, in Britain, at in, in, in England, I should say, um, at the underrepresentation, say, of the Liberal Democrats. So it does. It isn't good for third parties. It's not good for independents, of course. Um, in fact, it, you know, you see in, in Britain, the, you know, the, the lack of uh, representation of, say, the Greens. So in Ireland, uh, the corollary, the other side of that coin, of course, is is that a um, proportional system uh, like ours um, can produce. Um, and does pr tend to produce more coalition 
uh, framework of government for the very simple reason that m- um, more parties um, basically get represented. Get re- represented. Does that mean that there are problems on occasion where maybe there's a lot of cleavages going on in society? Yes, because it can be difficult to actually um, identify a, a winning coalition. That's really what we've been experiencing in Ireland since um, the last election, you know, and since the the and, and that's, I suppose, the drama we're going to see played out now. We've got two major parties that are very, very close to each other, mm. like very close to each other. And the polls. Uh, OK, so there was one poll the week before last, which gave Fianna Fáil um, a great big leap ahead of the the, the existing governing party, uh, Fine Gael. But then another poll, like yesterday, the day before, um, said it was much tighter. Mm. So the real, the real issue is that it can the effect of proportional representation can be to make forming governments tougher. There can be protracted um, coalition um, discussions and conversations. And just somebody even just said to me yesterday, you know, it could be April before we have a result here because these things really do get protracted, particularly um, in the context of just what Ireland has experienced with the uh, Great Recession and the the, the whole politics of, um, I suppose, social provision. So that, the, that the, the big argument is going to be in and around money. And there's a surprise. I think one thing that would be good to know for you, just to maybe chime in on, um, so for, because you work with a lot of young people, a lot of students, mm. Um, why is it important for them to get out and vote on February 8th, um, this election? It's absolutely vital that young students get out and vote. Um, I am in the privileged position of not only working with first years, but with fourth years who have um, formed their opinions and, you know, have very strong commitments to various um, important issues for for the world, not just for Ireland. But it's no use you know, thinking, researching, uh, having strong opinions if you don't go out and vote and get your voice heard. And I was delighted to see that there was recruitment for people to get on the electoral register and one of the places where they were doing that was in here in TCD in college last week. Uh, you, you know, it's a it's a cliche of political science that uh, turnout is low amongst the, the young. Um, do they feel disengaged? Do they feel it doesn't matter? All of those things. And of course, new forms of politics, people, young people quite rightly are thinking that, well, they've other ways of making themselves heard. I still think uh, no matter what philosophical standpoint you come from, power is in the executive and in our parliament, our doll, and people, if they want their voice heard, should get out and vote. So that means the inconvenience of making sure you're on the register, which takes two seconds on the computer, on your phone, and to make sure you are. And yes, you do have to physically go somewhere. But I, I always think of, I've been in enough places where people have suffered uh, for the privilege to vote. And if you can see uh, an unfortunate Afghanistani woman having a mark put on her hand in the middle of a war zone, I think that our young people can get off their asses and go and vote. I, that's brilliant. Thank you so much for putting it so bluntly. I think we some, some of us really need to hear that. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for taking the time again to chat with us.
Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Anton. That was great. We hope some of this information will help you understand the Irish voting system and how it will work when you cast your vote on the 8th of February. If anyone is still unsure on who to give their vote to on the 8th, make sure to read up on the candidates' manifestos. Another good resource can be found at ireland.isidewith.com, an independent, nonpartisan voter education website that will associate your view on topics with political parties running in the election. Check out the link to this in the podcast description. And finally, thanks to our guests this week, Ian Power and Jacqueline Hayden. Join us again later in the month when we'll be discussing intersex and non-binary gender recognition in our